Okay, uh, hello everybody. This is Andy here again uh, with the Recovery Friends podcast. Uh, I think that's the name of it. We've I've figured we'd try to like get a, as cheesy uh, <laughs> a name for the podcast, and we're gonna make a really cheesy intro song, maybe if eventually, so uh, people know that we don't necessarily take ourselves too serious here. I'm into that. <laughs> so. Um, Real quick about this podcast, as uh, we're still new, we've only done a few recordings. Um, we are just a podcast of people who come on, who used to have drug and alcohol problems, who sobered up. Uh, doesn't matter the path they took to sober up. We are not speaking for any specific 12-step programs or anything like that. Uh, we're just here to tell the stories of people who were once desperate and uh, now have found um, a way to stay sober and found some hope. Uh, so with that, uh, today's guest is my friend Laura, and uh, she is a beautiful soul. Um, and, you know, when I thought, well, I need to start having some ladies on here, she was one of the first people I thought of. Uh, so hello, Laura. Hey, Andy. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I like what you said about uh, people who were once desperate. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I know that I was desperate at some point. And, For real. Um, I think that the difference now is like sometimes I get desperate, mm -hmm. uh, but I have a way of not being desperate. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I don't get desperate anymore. I guess a better way of saying it would have been maybe like hopelessly desperate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, if... Um, uh, you know, just uh, if you want to start off from wherever you feel like you need to start off uh, with, with uh, telling Great. your journey and your yeah. story of how, how you got to where you're at. Well, it's um, so now I'm uh, I'm into this. I've uh, I've gained I've gained some um, some co coping mechanisms. Like you said, I know how to deal with with desperation now if it creeps into my my thinking and that kind of thing and and I've been um exploring like the real roots of of how I got to where I was and where I am and that's uh from ACA hmm. which is uh alcohol adult children I don't anyway okay. yeah and um so I've realized that like I was raised by alcoholics and addicts wow and um one of my, I mean, I got a lot of, I got a lot of crazy memories and this and that, but one of them, and it's kind of a cool story. Um, so I was in like third grade and I was in the, in the schoolyard with the boys, you know, and the boys are, they have, this was the eighties for, for some of you who are more my age and they had Chinese throwing stars. Those become, became really big, like in. Oh yeah. I remember ninja stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, they're called ninja stars, by the way. No, they're called Chinese throwing stars. <laughs> maybe, maybe they were ninja stars for, for young boys. I don't know. So um, we're in the schoolyard, and I was raised uh, for a long time in southern Mississippi. And so there were also chickens in the schoolyard. And wow. <laughs> 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 well, there's some here, too. I mean, there's the ghetto roosters of the Ninth Ward. We know. Oh, yeah. But... All right, so the boys are like throwing their Chinese throwing stars at these chickens, right? And um, and I came to school with a brand new little purse. I've always been a person 
who's kind of walked the edge between, you know, girly and tomboy. So I have a purse, but I'm hanging out with the boys throwing Chinese throwing stars. And, um, and somebody tells because that always, that always happens, right? And we see the teachers come and we get wind. And they're like, hide these in your purse, Laura. Hide these in your purse. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> okay. So I hide these stars in my purse. And we go into class. And I'm not telling. I am not going to tell. Wow. And I, I, I like... I keep I keep my mouth shut. I'm sitting tight. I'm not doing. I'm not telling. And finally, one of the boys they they give us all licks because this was the '80s in Southern oh, Mississippi, licks. and we had oh yeah, That's dude, what they with the, the wooden paddle. Hell yeah. I got paddled. I got I got paddled once in school when I moved from Guatemala to like Louisiana. Uh huh. I wrote bitch on the wall and, oh. I, and I misspelled it. I wrote B I C H. Somebody told me, <laughs> somebody told me, and like the vice principal walks in and she says, I want to tear your ass up. <laughs> and she did. She pulled out a paddle and the paddle had holes drilled in it for aero to make it more aerodynamic, which is incredibly like sting sadistic. that ass, lights you up. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I remember that. I'm from the South too. Right. So, so I got my licks and, um, and they called my home. And the other rule in um, growing up in the South is if you get in trouble in school, when you get home, it's going to be 10 times worse. Mm. Like you better, you better keep your act together in school. Don't, when you get home, you know, don't embarrass me. Don't shame me that way, mm. blah, blah, blah. So uh, my stepdad was a very alcoholic, uh, very abusive biker. I was raised by bikers and pit bulls. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's who raised me. And uh, so I'm, I'm like really frightened and I'm, on, I'm going home and I live down this really long gravel driveway. And the first building you see when you get to the end of the gravel driveway is this big shop. And it's got four doors, two on one side, two on the other. And um, you can like drive big trucks through these doors, right? And on one side was like where the guys all worked on their bikes. Mm. And on the other side was like a pool table and a bar and these two really old Coke machines that were always full of Milwaukee's best <laughs> because we were classy. And, and then there was the trailer because that's from, from the south. That's where I grew up, you know? <laughs> My name is Laura Lynn because it sounds so melodious, <laughs> hollered out the trailer door. Laura so, That's right. You got it. You got that. All right. So, uh, so and, and then Pete, the stepdad, he also, he was one of those guys that could, like, put two fingers in his mouth and whistle, and it was, like, the really, I've never been able to do that. But he could, you know, it was like in that loud, piercing whistle. And I'm just like, oh, and he was the only one there, which was like rare, you know. And so I walk over and he's hanging outside the shop and he's like, uh, so what happened at school today? Why don't you tell me? And I was like shaken, you know, I, I start to kind of tear up a little bit. And he's he goes, sit down. And I did. And he grabbed a beer out of the cooler out of the Coke machine, and he hands it to me, and he goes, they told me what happened, 
and you're not a snitch. That's my girl. Here's a beer. Oh, wow. And I was in third grade, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, like... <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if I want to say that that's awesome. I feel like I want to say that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you get a beer in third grade for not being a snitch. I'm not sure that that's... Yeah, that's not awesome, obviously. Part of me wants to... Part of me, believe, part of me thinks that's awesome. That's because you're <laughs> fucked up, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Correct. <laughs> exactly so uh so there's that you know and there's like uh and that wasn't the only time like i'd get beers for straight a's i'd fucking i knew how to roll a joint like you know and all around me all the time was wow. drugs and alcohol that's incredible and you yeah. know like we were raided by the police hmm. at least twice that i remember you know some fucked up shit going on here so we leave southern mississippi my mother leaves that situation because he was really abusive to her and we go to Dallas, but I am 11, almost 12. And I'm like, I wanted to go back to miss, no matter how fucked up it was, like, that's what I knew. And I wanted to go back to that. Mm. And, um, and so she's like, she's dealing with her shit, you know, the best she can supporting me. And, um, and also just dealing with her shit. And so I was kind of, from the time I was 12, I was basically kind of, I had r free run, yeah. you know, like I did whatever I did. And what I did was what I knew, which was start to get fucked up. Yeah. I started drinking, smoking pot away from the stepdad and the, and the, you know, the controlled situation there. And um, because I guess because I'm an alcoholic and because I have no, I got, I got no governor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, uh, no I got no, well, that's what they, you know, when you put a no, governor, no on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I don't got one. Yeah, you know? That's, that's a, that's a very, like you, from your background, that's probably, that's perfect. <laughs> Because they probably all took the governor out of their trucks. Yeah, I got none. I got none. <laughs> or off their bikes or whatever it was. Yeah. So um, so I went from, you know, drinking and smoking pot, dropping acid, and then, um, you know, just starting to experiment with drugs to before I knew it. Um, well, God, a lot happened, you know. Um, I became a heroin addict, hmm. long story, real short, um, and it was just a, it was the next natural thing, hmm. you know, because I, I had no governor and I had, you know, there was nothing stopping me and this was the life that I knew and this is what I was doing and um, I just kept going to the next thing. It was progressive. Yeah. It was very progressive. Um, and with me, um, I was able to, for a long time, I could sometimes manage myself. Yeah. You know, so I'd like, I'd have a job and a place and I'd be taking care of my shit and be taking care of my kids and, and do all the things, but I'd still be getting fucked up, not necessarily doing heroin. That was a different... That was always like a different thing. And then with my family, and, 
and so it would go up and down. I would be, I would be managing to do everything and keeping things under control. And then of course something would happen because of me mm-hmm. and, and shit would go out of control. And then usually like someone would save me, my grandfather, my uncle, somebody, you know, something would happen. Somebody would save me. Um, and the deal was always, it was always Laura, you know, you can't be doing these drugs, you know, drugs are so bad, even though they would, you know, they just got clean or something like that, you know, like, and I'm not even kidding. Like (laughs) Like, they just got clean, clean a month girl. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But here's the other part of it is let's go have a beer and talk about this. Yeah. Because alcohol is (laughs) not a drug. Oh no, because that's not the problem. That can't be, that can't be the issue, you know? Interesting. Uh huh. And that's my family and, um, any kind of recovery program or whatever, that was not part of my, um, not part of, in my, that wasn't in my little realm or our realm, my family thing, you know, you got religion. My uncle got religion and he was a great man and I loved him very much. He got religion and stayed off of drugs for a long time. And then he went back and so, um, so like a recovery thing wasn't ever part of it. And so, so things would be good. And then, um, and then all of my, uh, the men in my family started dying from stuff like, you know, hepatitis C and heroin overdoses. My dad died of a heroin overdose because he had hepatitis C. My uncle had hep C. My stepdad died of cirrhosis. Like then all the stuff that they had been doing and, you know, they started dying from and nobody was there to save me anymore. So, yeah. So, um, so then I would have times when I could manage, like I said, but then when things got bad, it, w- it got worse than it ever was because yeah. no one was there to save me. And so it was either manageable or it was complete unmanageable to the point of like suicide attempts and psych wards and um, jail and just losing my kids, losing custody. My mother raised them. Um, just, you know, and then trying to get them back and, and scrambling. And it was just, uh, it was a really fucking interesting ride. So, so I went back and forth of managing and not managing. And then finally in 2009, and also I should mention that through all this, one of my, and it's always been my kind of go-to because from the time I was basically born until you know a few years ago, um, I moved. Okay. Yeah. You know, like if something was wrong and it needed to be fixed and something had to happen, we'll fucking move. It can't happen here. A change can't happen here. No, no. You got to move. Like it's when, when oh, yeah, yeah, if there's some kind of change, you have to get up and you have to move somewhere else. Yeah, change the environment, obviously. Yeah, and I did that a lot. I did it. I did it so much, and um, so I moved for the second time from Dallas to West Virginia, and um, I was trying. And it, this was the second time I'd moved to West Virginia to try to clean up my act, right? And um. And I still, it wasn't happening. And I, there was another suicide attempt. This one almost worked. And um, 
landed in the hospital, from the hospital to the psych ward. Um, and psych wards are always fun because, you know, you think you're fucked up and then you get in there and you're like, whoa, I'm all right. I'm okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, <laughs> like, oh, <yeah. laughs> like I sh I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm really grateful. I didn't realize, you know, that like these people don't know what the fuck, you know, and uh, wow. I, I, I take it all back. So, yeah. yeah, that's what a psych ward will do for your suicidal ass. I worked at a, at a psych ward for two years. It made me suicidal. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was it was it was. I don't know, it was a very weird time in my life, but anyways. Do you think you could do it now? No. No way? And I know myself better now, and I know that that would be too, um, too emotionally draining for me. Heard. Day in and day out. Like, I did, I did the treatment center, you know, for like three years, mm -hmm. and thought that that was my path, but eventually was able to come to some acceptance that that wasn't my path and that it didn't have to be my path. You know, you know, like you lock into, you lock into a goal and you're like, it has to be this. And then you, but like it was, it, been, it took me three years to, to find out, but I think that I needed those three years to kind of conclude and move forward and when, in the stuff I got going on now. And things change. Yeah. But anyways, okay. this isn't about me. Okay. But I, I don't mind. <laughs> no, no, no. I get it. It's just, I want, I want to uh, have as much time for you to be able to tell your story as possible. Oh, uh, well, it's, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. So, all right. So in 2009, I moved to, or maybe it was 2008. 2000, uh, yeah. You said 2009 know. earlier. Did I? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was 2000. It might've been 2008 when I moved there, uh -huh. but it was 2009 when I got sober with the help of AA. In West Virginia. In West Virginia for the first time in my life. Okay. Like, find, I know, right? Finding, um, and I was, uh, I was 32, almost 33. Wow, it's funny, 2009, first time I went to AA. Right I didn't on. get sober though. Right on. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I get up there and um, I got away from a lot of the drugs and the people that I was around that were fucking pretty bad. And Dallas, um, and, and I don't, I was bad too, you know, clearly. Um, so I kind of, I make a move to try to change the way I was living. And, um, and I get to West Virginia and I keep living the same way, only maybe just kind of toned down a little bit because um, it's West Virginia and I'm living with my aunt. And um, like I said, I landed another fucking psych ward, another all those things. And then um, like I have, and it's so funny, another male relative comes in <laughs> from this one from West Virginia and is like, what the fuck do you need? Like, what do you want? You know? And I just like, you know, blubber and and say the things, and um, he's like, well, you know, nobody can do these f things for you but you. Oh. And then, I don't know. <laughs> you were expecting, okay, <laughs> where are you? Kind of, not, not really, not from him. No. No, he, uh, this was my uncle who um, had served 25 years in federal prison for uh, getting fucked up and 
beating the shit out of a hooker and leaving her for dead. But she didn't die, so he didn't serve a life sentence. <laughs> this is my family. Wow, you, you come from a very colorful background. He's a really good guy now. I yeah. will say that. Um, drug, you know, drugs are bad, and they make people do fucking weird ass shit. Yeah. So, um, anyway. So... <laughs> It's not funny. I hope that woman's doing really well wherever oh, she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, what do they call it? Like our levity. You yeah. know, sometimes, you know, people like us, we look back at these tragic things in our lives and we can laugh at them. And a lot of times we, we laugh because we relate or we laugh because it's... Because you, you know, fucking have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We cry every time. Right? <laughs> yeah. We'd be crying all the time. Right? Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> So, um, all right. So then I get my first dose of AA and I am, uh, I don't know what the fuck, you know what I mean? I don't have any idea what this stuff is about. Not really. Uh I'm just kind of bumbling and trying and, uh, and, um, it's working. It's working because I'm staying sober. I, you know, like, when I got 30 days sober from alcohol and everything else, that was the first 30 days sober I'd had since I was 12 years old. Incredible. Except for when I was pregnant with my kids. Mm. That's different. But for real, like, so um, I did stay sober when I was pregnant, but I had a drink right after they were born. So anyway, um, Yeah, so I start getting sober, and along the way, so this gets really super interesting, too. So along the way, I found out that I um, have hep C, had hep C, and, um, and I, uh, I did this interferon treatment. So this was like 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, you still had to do, when you did the interferon treatment, it still had to be the kind that, like, you take a pill and you also, like, take a shot in the belly. Yeah. 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 You had to give it to yourself? Yeah, it was gnarly. Mm. And um, it wasn't that bad, really. I mean, diabetics do it every day, right? And it was, like, it wasn't like I had to find a vein in my belly or anything. That'd be fucked up. That's some, uh, that's some uh, Jerry Lou... Jerry Lee Lewis shit right there. But um, that's a whole different story. Jerry Lee Lewis. I don't know the story. Dude. <laughs> that was a wild man. So um, so anyway, I do this and I react. At first, I, um, the, first the first night, I get like wild, crazy sick. Like I don't know if I can handle that kind of shit sick. Um, and then after that, I'm fine. Like first night, super, super sick. And after that, I'm fine. But I, but they're like, no, continue to, to take, you know, these medicine, this medicine, these shots continue to stay on this treatment, which is like a form of chemo because they want to make sure that they eradicate the virus. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, well, while my body is, um, reacting really well. I'm healthy. It eradicated the virus in my body. Mm. I'm losing my fucking mind. Wow. Like I had a super adverse reaction 
and I'm sure it had something to do with the combination of all the drugs I just got off of and the interferon and first time sober and all this shit. But basically I become uh, like a paranoid schizophrenic. Wow. Like I'm losing my fucking mind. Wow. I think, yeah, I think people can hear my thoughts Insane. and like, yeah, dude, I go crazy. I go nuts. I do some crazy shit that, um, I do some crazy shit that I'm not going to let be recorded. Okay. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me. So, uh, and then I end up, I load up my truck and I drive from West Virginia to Dallas and I get to Dallas. I got some money and I, um, I get an apartment and I get a, and I get a job. I get two jobs, but I'm going so crazy that I can't, like they hired me. I could bluff my way through. I could maintain myself, but I couldn't like do the work. And this is work that I'd been doing for years and years and years. I just, I couldn't keep my mind together. And um, so even though I had an apartment, I had a job and I was close to my kids, which is where I wanted to be. I started, I was fucking losing my mind and I got scared that I was going to do something stupid around my kids and I got scared of, I was, like I said, I was paranoid and like people were coming for me and like weird shit. And so I loaded up my truck and I drove from Dallas to Austin and I checked myself. And remember, I have an apartment, I have money, I have jobs. I checked myself into the Salvation Army and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Here I am. I don't know what to do with myself. I can't work. I can't like I'm fucking losing my mind. Yeah. It was, it was a devastating time in my life. It was like the, it's still to this day, the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. Insane. So what did the doctors say? Did you tell them? What they was would, I, yeah, I would go. Like I, um, when I was in Dallas, I went to like this mental health place and they gave me a fuck ton of pills. Ugh. Yeah, they gave me all these pills to take, but I was already crazy. So I was like, I'm not taking your poison. You know, like, <laughs> I was fucking like, well, man, I, I, I need... feel the same way. Though. <laughs> <Right>. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad I can laugh about this shit now instead of being like, is this, is this going to the feds? You know, <laughs> <laughs> this might be going to the feds. And I don't care because it doesn't matter. Nobody gives a shit about me. Well, you know, we just, uh, we just gave your well, first I, name here. So. Well, and middle name. Not just that, but <laughs> thinking about it, like, Paranoia takes a whole lot of arrogance and um, feeling like you're self-important oh, because wow. you know yeah, what I mean. It does. <laughs> because like <laughs> I've since learned, one, nobody's thinking about me as much as I do, and two, <laughs> like nobody fucking cares that much. Wow. I'm one in seven billion. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Insane, not that big. Right? Yeah. So anyway, I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm in Austin. And I'm in a Salvation Army because I don't know what to do. And so um, I go down to this bridge, and, um, and I'm still sober, by the way. Um, over a year sober. Hmm. Yeah, first time I got sober was 9-28-09. And this was uh, right after my birthday, I think, which is November 1st, sorry. So 
I'll give you my social security number later. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> too, too many context clues. Excuse me. So um, so I'm losing my mind, and I go to this bridge, and there's this bus. There's this bus that pulls up, and it's got these people on it who just came from New Orleans, by the way. And they are the people that um, we see in New Orleans that a lot of people call gutter punks, shwilly kids. Yeah. You know, those people. Yeah. And uh, Faded black jean shorts. Yeah, you know, overalls, shit like that. And uh, But, like, one of the girls was, like, super hippie. And um, she's like, oh, yeah, you should totally get on the bus. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I got on the bus because I was just <laughs> super lost, you know. So I was like, I'm just going to get on this bus. I don't know where the fuck I'm going. I don't this know what I'm going to do. Uh-huh. Nope. I don't know where I'm I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's got to be better than fucking losing my mind and losing my mind. And staying at the Salvation Army and laying awake at night like I couldn't sleep. It was fucking, I was just, I needed anything. Well, as it turns out, um, I'm going to just make a real long story short. Those people helped me put my mind back together. And I did end up drinking with them, smoking pot and, and these other things. And I went back into the progression where it starts only this time really quickly, where it starts with drinking and it ends um, in heroin abuse, and I will get to that in a minute. But basically, some of the people I met on that bus are still some of the most special, wonderful, magical people I've ever met, including Ikesa. I met him on that bus. Oh, okay. And, uh, and like some other people that are scattered around the country now. And because um, it was just a wonderful, like, group so anyway um I did start drinking again and it did progress downhill really quickly until I found myself I traveled all over the country I did all these wonderful amazing things I went places I never would have gone um left to my left to my own devices you know what I mean like um I was just following this mad mad world in my head and um and it took me to some crazy places and some of them were really great you know mendocino california i lived on a beach i like mm. you know i went on this wild fucking my life changed yeah my life completely changed and it didn't um it ended in new orleans with what you're familiar with which is I got here and I was homeless and I was living out of a backpack and I had gone back and progressed to, you know, my two loves, alcohol and heroin. And what I would do is I would, I would use heroin until it just got way too much of a fucking hassle to get the money together to get as high as I needed to get. And then I would kick heroin by drinking booze and then I'd drink booze and I ended up finally physically dependent on booze to where I had to have that when I woke up in the morning and then something would happen and I would start doing heroin again and just like this vicious vicious loop mm. you know and um 
So uh, I'm in New Orleans. I'm by myself for the first time. Uh, the, the man that I was with and I had this huge blow up. And um, we split up in Iowa. I came back down to New Orleans. And I'm getting drunk every day. I'm doing dope here and there. And this guy comes to me and he says, uh, hey, you want to split a bag? And I'm like, yeah. So he goes to his place and gets a bag fronted. And, um, and we go to, you know, like a, a shooting gallery down in the lower ninth. And we walk in and he fixes it up and he hands me my, my shot. And he's like, hey, um, you probably don't want to do all this because you've been drinking today. So here you go. I wouldn't do all that. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I knew. I knew what he was saying. And I didn't care. And that was the moment where I got to another moment of, and this time I wasn't trying to die. I wasn't like being dramatic. I wasn't trying to make a cry for help. I wasn't doing any of those things. I just was like, okay, um, I'm going to do this. And if I die, I don't care. And if I get really high, fucking cool. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. that's, I didn't care. Well, I did die. And, um. You did the whole shot. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every other junkie that listens to the, this is going to be like, well, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You don't not do the whole shot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um. Okay, so I did the whole shot. And I die. And he revives me. Um, I don't know all the details of how and this and that, um, but I know that, and I didn't go to the ER. Um, I understand he like hit me with Narcan, did some CPR, got me up, made me walk, like carry me around, make me walk. And, but when I did, and this is the part, you know, um, at some point in just going out, um, I hit the concrete face first. And that's where I got the the road rash, like down the whole right side of my face. And I put my teeth through my lips, and my lips were like swole up like five times bigger than like you mm -hmm. know they're supposed to than they are. Yeah. And um. And I was really fucked up. And so the next day, I'm like, this was on a Saturday night. So the next day, um. I am sick and I'm shaking and and just that kind of dope sick alcohol sick that is uh god it's fucking miserable it's fucking miserable and I was miserable and I was alone and I was sad and I just knew like the party had been over for a long time but like this was like the 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 lowest that I had felt mm. ever. Um, and so, like, I was just super uncomfortable as well. It's August in New Orleans. Ugh, hot. The sun's all on my face, my very God. scratched, scarred face. It's not scarred. It's not scarred. 
but uh, <laughs> you should have seen my eyes cross. But anyway, um, it's uh, it it was. It was like an open wound on my face and in my lips and the sun would hit it and it would burn and then I'm sweating and it would trickle down. It was just fucking sucked. It was awful. And also I should mention, um, I had kicked dope, you know, by myself, like without a, I'd kicked dope a lot. Um, the first time I'd ever kicked a really bad habit, I had to do it on a Greyhound, on like a two day Greyhound bus with nothing. And that was crazy. I was in my early twenties at the time. And, um, and so, did you, you know, use the bathroom on the on the bus? Oh yeah. I bet they hated you. Just Dude, <laughs> I hated everything. All I did was cry. Wow. <laughs> I couldn't even sleep. I just cried. It's a horrible bus ride. It was a bad bus ride. <laughs> Some man tried to bring me food. I was like, "Thank you," and I couldn't eat it. Uh, so anyway, um, I had kicked dope before, and I wasn't afraid of it, but becoming physically dependent on alcohol um and having withdrawals from that was the scariest shit i'd ever like dealt with as far as like withdrawing from any kind of drug at all it was fucking terrifying and painful in ways because it was so terrifying mm -hmm. so anyway um i find these people and they uh they show me on google maps where the um, where the detox is and it wasn't far from where I was staying and so I went to the detox um, on a Monday morning and they didn't let me in but I was so fucking done that I went to the detox the second time on Tuesday morning and uh, what does that mean? Oh, I'm just I'm just timing okay just like so I figure I started it at 40 minutes Okay. And we had, I think we had been speak, talking like five minutes, so you can go about 10 minutes past this. I'm just, just so you have a, just giving you some like. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the, and, and the, the only reason I say I try to keep it under an hour is because like one of the platforms that I try to upload it to uh -huh. won't let me upload longer than an hour. Okay. So if it goes longer, what we can do is we can stop the recording mm -hmm. and restart it another one. So don't even, don't rush if you don't. Okay. Don't don't like don't compromise the story just because I got this and I'm flashing it to you. <laughs> just because I'm <laughs> jamming this down your throat. Okay. No. All right. I mean, <laughs> You're not jamming it down my throat. I guess. I was just wondering. I was like, I don't know what that means. You keep showing me this shit, and I don't know what it means. Okay. All right. <laughs> I thought, you under, thought it was understood. That's how much time you got. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I should have. Yeah, I'm new at this too. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna muddle through. Yeah. All right. Well, this this is where it gets you know pretty quick. So. I get into the detox and I am so fucking grateful to get into the detox because, and you have to understand, like I wasn't, even though I'd been through AA and had some experience with sobriety somewhat, you know, I still think that first year I got sober was fucking insane. I was fucking insane. Um, I, uh, I wasn't thinking about some wonderful sober life. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about, you know, what's, you know, all the things I want to do or how about I want to be a good person. I wasn't thinking about none of that shit. I was thinking about I wanted to be in some air conditioning and I wanted to be, I wanted to shower yeah. and I wanted a safe place to sleep and I wanted a medical detox. Yeah. 
immediate necessary I just, needs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all I need. I just needed, I just really, this is where I desperately needed relief. Yeah. Um, so I finally got to the point where I needed relief from all the things I had been doing more desperately than I had ever needed the drugs and booze that I was doing. Yeah. And that's like... What is it they say? The, uh, the pain outweighed the pleasure? Well, yeah, the scales like finally tipped. Like, I desperately needed this relief more than I had ever desperately needed the fucking dope, you know? Yeah. So, um, all right, so I get into the detox, and, um, and I get this relief. And I'm just happy to be there. You know, I got a backpack. I got a Swiss Army backpack, leather, you know, super fancy. Woohoo. And um, so I got this Swiss Army backpack, and it's out in the hall, and somebody steals it. <laughs> and your prized possession. Fucking junkies. <laughs> I have a backpack, and you're going to steal it. I don't know who you are, but fuck you. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so there, uh, I'm detoxing, right? And I'm, I'm getting a little better, sort of. I'm, I was foggy for a long time. And they were like, hey, um, we think you're a good candidate for rehab. Would you like to go? And, um, and the thing was that I didn't really have anything better to do, and I didn't really have anywhere else to go. So I was like, yeah. And so they sent me to rehab and then I got to rehab. Okay. So I'll tell you what, since we're getting close to an hour, I'm uh -huh. going to stop the recording and you can pick back up at rehab. We're going to stop okay. for some quick, uh, advertisement. No, <laughs> not really, but, uh, <laughs> I could just wrap it up. No, no, I no, went no, to no. rehab no, and no. now I'm sober for four <laughs> years plus. Oh, that's incredible. I would like to know some of that, some of that experience. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Okay. We're back. So we left off at treatment. You're a perfect candidate for treatment and go. All right. <laughs> Wait, what's my motivation here? Um, your motivation is to hopefully reach someone who was in that dark place you were right before you went to detox. I was actually kidding. I was being <laughs> facetious, but yes. Okay, cool. That's, that's pretty fucking motivating. So, all right. So, um, I'm in detox and they're like, Hey, you want to go to treatment? And, um, and I was like, yeah. And one of the reasons I was like, yeah, is because I really didn't have anywhere else to go. Mm -hmm. Um, my family that, uh, had basically kind of given up and written me off for dead, you know, and I gave them all the reason in the world to do that. And, and I really just didn't have anywhere to go, and I was so done with the way I had been living. Just so done. So they sent me to Odyssey House. It's Odyssey House, New Orleans. It's an inpatient uh, treatment center and I continued to get showers and food and now they also added some counseling services mm. and then there were also people who would come in and bring uh, meetings 
AA, NA, CA, all these things. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm familiar with this. <laughs> you know, I know, I know, I, I think I know, I remember a little bit about this. So, um, so I paid attention and, and they were saying, you have to get a sponsor. You have to get a sponsor. And I did really like, I didn't call my family, you know, they were done. Um, they were living their lives and I was free to live mine, you know, um, and and I was free to to take care of myself. I didn't feel like I had to go anywhere, be anywhere, do anything, but take care of me. So I did, and I called this woman, and I asked her to be my sponsor, and she said yes. And she brought a meeting to um, Odyssey House every Saturday at 10 a.m. And after the meeting, she and I would walk out back and sit down and I would smoke cigarettes and she would, uh, she and I would read the book together. The book. The, the Bible. The <laughs> King James Version? No, we actually, we actually read this book called Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. And uh, it's got this story, this guy, Bill W., um, kind of engineered the whole thing and um and then they asked me if I wanted to stay or maybe I had already they asked me if I wanted to stay for long-term treatment and they said you're a really good candidate for long-term treatment <laughs> like you might need to be here for a while and the thing was that I still didn't have anywhere to go and and I was I was actually terrified that I would get thrown out of there and back on the street because I knew that that meant that I would be back in the same life that I had left. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified of that, you know? Yeah. For the first time ever. So, um, so I stayed in long-term treatment. And then these people, so in addition to counseling, one-on-one -on -one counseling, group counseling, AA, NA, CA, and all those things. Now I'm allowed to get a job. And that was the first time I'd had a job in a, in a while. And, um, and then these people from Oxford House come in and they make presentations and they're like, this is what it is. It's a sober living community and it's designed to help people just like you get on their feet. You know, you pay this much. You have... Um, you know, more important than, you know, it's, it's something you can afford on a, you know, a, a low-tech job or whatever. And, um, and it's a supportive household yeah. to maintain sobriety. And you have to be accountable and you have to do all these things and there's chores and you have to live with other women. Yuck. Oh, yeah, I know, right? But um, but I was, but at this point, I was like, "That's what I have to do." Yeah. So um, as it turns out, I so I was um, I was in Odyssey House. I did get kicked out of Odyssey House like three or four days before I was supposed to graduate, and I'm so glad because I was starting to think that maybe I was broken and had just become a complete fucking 
rule follower, uh-huh. but I'm not broken. I can still get kicked out of places, even those places. <laughs> <laughs> still had a pulse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. No Stepford Laura. No, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's not happening. So anyway, yeah, I got kicked out and I'm so glad. Um, so, but it was like only a few days before and I had already had a secure spot at Oxford house. So I just moved, moved right, right on in, you know, in fact, Odyssey house still gave me my, um, my graduation certificate. Oh. I was like, come on, dude. Can I still have, they were like, fine. <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck, you know? So anyway, so I moved into the Oxford house and now I'm working, I'm living in the Oxford house. Um, you know, and me, like, I just kind of kept my head down and went to meetings and went to work and did my thing. You know, I never got involved in a lot of the dramas at Oxford House or any kind of shit like that. Um, I wasn't, and even through all of the rehab and everything like that, I wasn't, uh, I was not interested in the men that were around me. You know, I think a lot of chicks and men, yeah. a lot of people, you know, get um, caught up in in the relationship thing or the, you know, because it's lonely, mm-hmm. you know, Try, and, and you get scared and you want some companionship and some help. But I just I just never got caught up in that. And one of the reasons is because I still had um, I, I knew I still had this other kind of relationship going and he was out there doing his thing. So. Um, so I just kind of kept to myself and did my thing and I worked steps and I stayed sober and I did what I needed to do. And eventually after about six months, I moved out of the Oxford house into my own place and into um, a different job out in Metairie. I lived in Metairie for six months. I'll never do it again. (laughs) And (laughs) I know sometimes I go out there and I'm like, man, it's really quiet out here. It's kind of nice. <laughs> oh, dude, I don't, Metairie's not quiet though, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of. Like some of those, like some of those suburban neighborhoods are just, they, they, they terrify me yet. They, they, I find them like calming sometimes when I drive through them. I get that. Yeah. See, like I, I would like <laughs> lately I've been like, man, I think I just want to take my dogs and move like way out in the country. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think I would be fine. Just me and my dogs way out in the country and just, just be done. And, um, sometimes I feel that way. And there's part of me that's definitely like that. So I get, I get it. I'm just not a fan of the suburbs and I just really was not happy there. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, um, I stayed sober. I almost that relationship that I said that I I had had uh, kind of rekindled on again, off again. He was on the reservation in Oklahoma because he he was a native man. And um, and but I was I was a little afraid of how things might go. So cut to a year and a half later. I've moved back into New Orleans. Um, I'm bartending again, but like, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, 
um, regularly attending meetings. I keep a sponsor. I sponsor women. I go to meetings. I do, you know, I do the things. I I use the tools that were given to me to cope. Yeah. Without the substance, and also like, I'm just terrified of fucking going back to that place. So, um, I finally, I finally, finally, finally understood cause and effect. When I do this, this happens. <laughs> you know, if I do this, everything goes to hell. If I do this, everything, it hurts me. You know, yeah. like cause and effect, finally. Yeah. Some reality. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. So, all right. So anyway, I'm in Dallas. I mean, I'm in, I'm in New Orleans. I'm bartending. I'm doing well. And um, that man comes back into my life, and I let that happen because I'm feeling better now. But he, uh, the sobriety that he found in on the reservation was, um, was left on the reservation because I mean it's Oklahoma. They only have three percent alcohol. Their beers, three mm-hmm. percent. What's what's normal? Five. Five. Yeah. Five and a half. Six. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and he's native and he was on a reservation and you can't get anything out there. So anyway, he gets back and he proceeds to, um, just, uh, you know, it was, sometimes it was really good and sometimes it was really shitty and he just couldn't stay sober and we split up. And after we split up, he left because he, um, he knew that I was doing well and he didn't want to bring me down anymore. And, he didn't want to choose to do the things that you have to do to get sober. Yeah. So he left and then he, um, he died. He OD'd on heroin. <sighs> yeah. And, um, that was super tough, but you know what? Even then I didn't want to drink and I didn't want to use like, and it was, um, pretty amazing to me. I did all kinds of, you know, like grief comes out in weird ways, right? But um, I didn't want to drink and I didn't want to use. So um, I just, I I kept going to meetings and I kept working with my sponsor. I found this other program um, that's like a Buddhist-based program. And when I went to it, it was right after Ikesa died. That was his name. And... uh, and it, it says, like, I read a little bit about it, and it talks about, like, non-attachment or something like that, you know? Like, yeah. un, un, unattached appreciative joy and, or stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go meditate my way out of feeling like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought that I would detach from the grief and somehow over, I don't know what the fuck I thought. I was looking for anything. Yeah, relief. I was looking for relief yeah. without, but not with drugs and alcohol. So I went over yeah. here and then I found out that it's, ab- and it's, ac- it's the complete opposite. So it's not, I'm going to meditate my way out of anything. I'm not going to detach from anything. I'm going to sit with it and deal with it and slog through it. Yeah. And that's what it's for. And and by the time I figured that out, I was already too deep in it. And I was fucking like, all right, I got to, I got to, 
you know, I thought I was going to find a way to have to, to not deal with these things. Like that was, that's some addict thinking, you know what I mean? Even though I'm not drinking and I'm not using the ad, the addict in me is like, I've, I got to find a way to not have to deal with this, with this yeah. shit. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I never do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, this, uh, this Buddhist based program is, is, uh, teaches you kind of how to deal with it. It's like, it's, Even if it's a yeah, little at a time. Like meditate into it instead of, like you said, you were saying out of it. Yeah. Meditate your way. Yeah. You, actually, you have to meditate your yeah. way into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one thing though that I have definitely finally got my mind around is like, I usually have the fucking wrong idea. Like usually when I go into something, I think it's going to be one way or I think I know what's happening or I think, you know, and, but I usually learn that I have it all fucking wrong, but at least I learn, yeah. you know, <laughs> so I'm like, well, at least I learned something yeah. and then it, it comes together. But it's like, it's true. I, uh, I usually get the wrong idea and then, uh, learn something else. So, you know, I am a student. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's just like where I am now. I'm working. I got a good job. Some regulars at my bar hired me away to run an office. Um, I'm usually going to refuge, uh, maybe even more than AA these days because it's just, um, something that I, uh, useful that I found. I told you I'm trying to do the ACA thing though, which is yeah. a 12 step program. Mm-hmm. Um, working on that. I've got a f- fantastic sponsor that I love who is, uh, you know, taking me through it. And the thing is like, um, if anything, I've learned that like, I want to keep growing. I want to keep growing. I want to keep, um, like my life over the last four years is wild. You know, like I've gotten to do and be and see and experience so much more than I did. Like I before, like I know what would happen. Mm-hmm. I'd get fucked up. I'd check out. Nothing to it. You yeah. know, I'd wake up and I'd want to get fucked up again. Yeah. And now like. Nothing ever happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And if life. something does happen, it's something fucked up. Yeah. Like you get thrown in jail. <laughs> yeah. Or, exactly. yeah, that kind or of you OD or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's nothing, it's nothing cool, you know? So like, um, and now, you know, cool things are happening. I'm getting to experience cool things. I'm yeah. learning, I'm teaching myself shit. I have interests and, um, and like talents. The, like the guitar. Yeah, like the get like the get fiddle. <laughs> the is get, that what they, they call it? I don't know. It is. Well, you should. Uh, so you're gonna play us and no, sing us. No, why play, did you say play, that? <laughs> no, I mean you could if you wanted to. No, it would be great. But <laughs> 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 maybe, maybe after we cut the the mics off. Okay, that'd be um, cool. But all right, man, that's awesome. I think uh, I think that's powerful. It's a wrap. Yeah, and I'll <laughs> just I'll just say like hearing like your beginnings and to think that if I heard the first part of your story, I would say there's no way she ever changes. There's no way she gets, she gets to the point to the woman I see in front of me, you know? And the thing is like a lot of times we meet people in sobriety, us, right? Mm -hmm. We hear their story. We know their background sort of, 
but it's so hard to imagine because most of the people that 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 we come across are so far removed from the person that they were right like i'm so far removed from the person i was and um wow yeah it's incredible to hear like i was almost like almost i i got the feeling that you didn't even have a chance you know with your upbringing um and just to to see you today and to know your story is like it's inspiring to me and i know that somebody's going to hear this and be inspired so thanks again for coming and doing this my pleasure thank you i love you i love you (laughs) 